Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the blues hit, Newsome Recall and the Caucus Census. Dr. Richard Bartlett joins me in studio and Biden and the California government collude with Facebook and Twitter. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I'm not really grinning because two bad things happened to the blue states, but I do want to pass along some things I think are really interesting. And these go to my point I was saying yesterday. The vast majority of American people liked the Trump agenda and they do not like the left wing, the left lurching uh, direction of the American left. They do not like what's coming out of Washington. They do not like the way President Biden is leading our country over the cliff. And there are two little data points to share with you. One is that in California, you likely saw the Secretary of State was arm twisted into admitting that actually the uh, people of California, enough of them had signed a recall petition for Governor Newsom. Now, I am not guaranteeing that recall petition is going to go somewhere because who knows. But I will say it's only the second time in California history sufficient signatures were gathered so that the Secretary of State had to say, you know what, this is going to go on the ballot. Now, they're in this phase 30 days after the petition's been certified by the Secretary of State. Every citizen who signed has the right to go to, to approach their county elections department and say, you know, on second thought, I want to pull back my signature. So that can still happen. But they're way over the number needed. I have to tell you, I mentioned over the weekend, we were at a conference with the House Freedom Fund. And we met uh, the main lawyer working for this group that is bringing forward the petition. There is so much enthusiasm for it in California. And it's not because they just love Trump. It's because reality is setting in what the American left stands for. Reality is setting in on the fact that the American left is simply going to abandon the borders. They actually met when they said, we don't want borders, we don't support borders. As people flood into California, you have sanctuary cities, you have massive taxes, you have homelessness. But let me show you a quick clip what Governor Newsom thinks this recall is all about. This is a little uh, tweet he put out, a little video he put out, explaining how terrible and unnecessary and what he thinks this is all about, this recall effort. So Matt the Wonderful has this clip. Who's behind the partisan recall of Governor Gavin Newsom? Anti-vaccine QAnon extremists, violent white supremacists like the Proud Boys who attacked our nation's capital on January 6th, and the same right-wing Republican politicians who supported Donald Trump's attempt to overturn the election. Of course, paid for by the Republican National Committee. Instead of helping fight the pandemic, national Republicans are coming to fight Californians. Stop the Republican recall. It's a power grab. Okay, I mean, let me summarize that 30 second video. Gavin Newsom is scared to death. He can figure out that the people of California do not like the way he's governing. They do not like the COVID restrictions. They do not like being shut down. They do not like the rampant homelessness, never addressed, never solved. They do not like an open border. They do not like high taxes. They don't like the whole left wing message. 
Governor Newsom is going to try to tell the people, no, no, ignore that recall, people. This is all the, the Republican National Committee story. This is almost, in fact, it turned out to be over 1.5 million. And this isn't just citizens of California. You had to be a voter to sign. Of one, over 1.5 million voters in California said, no thanks to Newsom. This is actually big news. I am not going to predict that that is going to succeed. He may not get recalled, but he's going to be forced to defend his record. He wants to make the conversation to the Calif people of California. Don't you just hate the Republicans and don't you just hate uh, you know, QAnon or some stupid thing, which has nothing to do with this recall effort. That's what he wants to talk about. But this is going to force him ultimately to talk about his policies, which are making people in California miserable on a related note of leftist policies making life miserable for the average American the census as you well know is completed and part of, once we finish the census what happens is a very quick summary is in the United States Congress we have 435 members of Congress those are supposed to be representational so you have if citizens are moving out of some states and moving into other states the states with the higher population the growing population get more members of Congress this is a called voting with your feet this is called I don't want to live under leftist policies anymore so I'm moving to a place where we they still have freedom so very quick summary Texas the gray state of Texas where I do this from actually gets two new congressional seats the numbers are pretty close I actually heard two or three weeks ago it was almost close to getting three seat three new seats so Texas gets two new seats and uh, five states Florida North Carolina Colorado Montana and Oregon are gaining one seat. So you have five states gaining one seat, only one of them a left-wing state. You can't really count Oregon uh, on the Republican side. But everybody else is the Republicans' states with, with conservative policies that, that prevent, um, prevent government overreach, that protect freedom, that encourage individualism and freedom of the people. Those states are growing in number and therefore in the representation of Congress. Conversely, you have uh, numerous states losing at least one seat. New York, California, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia will all lose one seat. Or blue states are losing one seat, all except, I guess you can't really, uh, not too sure whether you can call West Virginia a blue state. It's kind of mixed. Point is, people are leaving the blue states and moving to the red states and that is why the census is going to give more seats to states that are in the red column and the answer is the explanation is the same thing as about about governor newsom and the recall the american people actually still love freedom they still love freedom they don't like big government and they're trying to get away from it and that my very fine friends is today's first five I said at the start of the show, we have a guest joining us. He's in studio, which is always fun. Uh, this is Dr. Richard Bartlett. And I'm going to tell you, we uh, were running through all the possible videos we could do to show you about him. And so we could just run videos, but we're not going to do that. I want to tell you about him first just a little bit. The first time he joined this show was on July 2nd of last year. If you did not happen to tune into that show, I urge you to go to it. You can watch it on my website, americacanwetalk.org and other places cannot find that video on YouTube because they took it down. But Dr. Richard Bartlett joined the show last year, and this is very much in the midst of the fear-mongering of the pandemic. And he's a doctor from Midland, Texas, who essentially on my show broke his story that he had discovered serving in the emergency room in a hospital where he's from, realizing that people coming in with COVID and struggling with breathing problems due to COVID 
could be effectively treated, effectively provided some relief using inhaled budesonide, which is a, a commonly prescribed medication for people suffering from asthma. The things that were happening in people's lungs under COVID, very similar to happening with uh, asthma. And he realized, you know what, actually, this is great. We can use just uh, inhaled budesonide, fabulous results, and enormous pushback. So Dr. I, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about him. He is here with me, but I want to tell you just a quick other, a few other things about him. Dr. Barlett, as I said, is based in Midland, um, Texas. He's been a, a physician for with 28 years of experience um, in the general practice and emergency room medicine, 28 years as a medical director of multiple facilities, but a CBS News medical expert. Uh, he served uh, at the invitation of Texas Governor Perry, um, who appointed Dr. Bartlett to a newly formed Texas Health Disparities Tax Task Force. We'll talk about that briefly. Got a Meritorious Service Award for that, Texas Health and Human Services Service. Um, also served as Texas Medical Association Board of Counselors, four terms as president of the County Medical Society and also medical director of the World Missions Alliance. The reason I want to say all that is, once Dr. Bartlett brought out the information to the American people that there were really actually medications available that significantly helped COVID patients struggling with their breathing due to COVID, there was an onslaught of attack, as there has been against many other doctors in America who are trying to push against the tide and say, we don't all have to surrender and stay home and, and, and live at home with two masks and goggles, uh, you know, under a cone of silence for months until somehow some magic saves us all. He helped Americans realize, yes, it's a pandemic and we have to take care of ourselves. And no, we don't have to live in fear for the rest of time, which is pretty much the message out of Washington. So without further ado, I want to welcome to our show, Dr. Richard Bartlett. Hello, it's sir. To, it's good to be back, Debbie. Glad you are here. Uh, I know that was a long introduction, but I realized, you know, um, I have not really ever, I mean, the kind of experience you had bringing forth information about the efficacy of these uh, medications that you use to help COVID patients. That was, it was really, um, what's a good word? It was really rough, it was really extreme. It was kind of a, you know, how dare you suggest that the, there's some possible way to help people with COVID and you really did, you, you broke a lot of barriers. So before we, I wanna jump in and just show our, um, in case you think I'm exaggerating my happy listeners, if you think I'm exaggerating, I wanna quick play a video, uh, which uh, there were just headlines um, that were about, actually, I'm gonna play the naysayers video. This is a few people who questioned whether or not there was any possible efficacy for budesonide in treating COVID. Let's get into this viral video by Dr. Richard Bartlett, who claims to have the silver bullet treatment for coronavirus, using inhaled steroids budesonide. That simply isn't true. That's simply false. Very common medication that nobody knows about. I just have to laugh. But others in the medical community aren't convinced it's what it's cracked up to be. There is no silver bullet at the moment, and there might never be. For there now. is no silver bullet response to the virus at the moment, and there might never be. If you're hearing things about things that are just so too good to be true, 
it probably is. <laughs> There's no scientific proof, no. Since no. March, he claims inhaled steroids are the cure for COVID-19. And I wish it was as simple as that. The CDC also says there is no known cure for COVID-19. So we can verify <laughs> that claim is false. That people who are thinking about maybe getting some off-label use of budesonide, that you not do that. We can't tell you that that's going to help you. And there's even a possibility that if you use these steroids too early or too much of them, that you could harm yourself and worsen your chances of surviving COVID-19. Okay, to, let, let's, okay, no, finish this one, yeah. I'm sorry, the last one, so good. And, and, and taking zinc is, 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 is working. Is there any downside to, to, to doing it? You know, there's a placebo effect to make you feel yeah. better and less anxious, but in reality, Matthew, it doesn't have any effect. Okay, so there you have our national expert, Dr. Fauci, has no effect. So now, Dr. Bartlett, you must feel now so Now the good. rest of the story, <laughs> yeah, Debbie. The you rest know, of the story, yeah. Wow, tremendous pushback, very targeted against a simple strategy. You know, I teach advanced trauma life support and that's what every ER doctor has to be certified in. And that's stabilizing uh, the airway, breathing, circulation. Breathing's really important. And uh, can't have life without and, it. And COVID, the, what's putting people in the hospital with COVID is breathing problems. That's what that's the key. And so when you can give supportive care, which is what we always do for a viral infection, that's that's key. And budesonide. Every nation that did studies, France, Spain, Oxford University, all were looking at budesonide, and Oxford settled it. Fauci said it's a placebo, meaning no effect. Oxford University says 90% of hospitalizations could be prevented if, if you use early inhaled budesonide. That's radically different than a zero effect. And then th that was in the STOIC trial, a randomized controlled trial, which is the gold standard for medical- Randomized controlled trial. Yeah, okay. randomized yep. controlled trial. But now there's another randomized controlled trial with budesonide against COVID called- um, Principle? The principal trial. And so both of those are looking at budes inhaled budesonide against COVID and they both have been overwhelmingly successful in proving, settling it. The science is settled that we have a effective strategy. We don't have to say we have that we're helpless or hopeless. There's, there's, I wish there were other medications uh, that are effective. There are many that are effective, but I wish they had randomized controlled trials to settle this so we could say, look, we have a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, yep. uh, other countries are embracing this. We need to not suppress this information. It's really become the best kept secret about COVID in the United States. You know, that you honestly, you had to feel so, I don't know, gratified or just grateful that after all those attacks and all the media and the interview they were talking about, many of those, and they're saying, oh, silver bullet, which I know is not a term you use anymore, but I mean, was, was this show, was on this show talking yes. about it. And those people attacked and attacked. And I don't hear all of them out there saying, hey, I'd like to take back what I said. You don't hear any of them, any of those experts up there uh, saying I'd like to retract. There are actually a series of headlines and I sent to Matt the Wonderful. Uh, there's just a quick scanning of headlines of, of um, other places where the media finally had to say, here we go. Yeah, those are from the UK, from Europe. Even a couple weeks ago, Germany, mainstream media in Germany was letting the German people know about inhaled budesonide against COVID. But here in the United States, it's been in the mainstream media uh, amazingly not covered.
It, it is kind of shocking. It is this, uh, actually, those headlines, if they, they went by fast, I know we, we didn't want to spend too long with the headlines on the screen, but they were all saying, essentially, in news sources around the world, turns out when Breaking you news. study, it turns out that Hale Budesan does a brilliant job in helping people with breathing struggles with COVID. And the thing is with COVID, if you, the, the breathing part obviously is the whole thing because if you're so frightened, I mean, that's what's frightening to anyone if you can't get oxygen. Right, and those studies, the principal trial, the stoic trial, those randomized controlled trials that were showing overwhelming success in early therapy. Remember, we were told there's nothing you can do early except hide in your house and wait for us to make a vaccine. Yeah, that's what exactly. we were told. Uh, yep. by Anthony Fauci. He said, if you got mild to moderate symptoms, just stay home and tough it out and don't overwhelm the hospitals because they're overwhelmed. And so then we went on this uh, roller, this goose chase of uh, a strategy with ventilators and putting people in the hospital with late care only. But you know what? Uh, over 500,000 deaths, according to uh, many numbers um, uh, out there, Johns you Hopkins, et cetera. Those a little bit, but go and, ahead. And, yeah. and so the bottom line, that's their numbers. Yeah. And, and if you look at 90% of 500,000, that's 450,000 lives. That Does that mean that 450,000 people that were hospitalized that obviously died in the hospital might not have died? That's the question. And so where do we go from here? Uh, but we have some, some strategies that have been proven effective by Oxford and uh, are, that need to be employed. They need to be at the front of this uh, uh, attack on, uh, on our enemy, which is COVID. Yeah, and the other things we talked about um, in your, in fact, about other doctors on this show talking about the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine early on, early phase, and even as a prophylactic, yes. and ivermectin, go yes, ahead. Yes, yes, and so those are, uh, ex those, there's a lot of information on those. We need randomized controlled trials to be pushed out on those, proving it. But we even with late care have evidence. Uh, the Texan did a, a story about a 55-year-old woman who uh, was, it was in November 23rd story, she was in the hospital on a ventilator on 100% oxygen. Her husband insisted, pushed back when the doctors were demanding hospice orders, and he pushed back and got budesonide nebulizer treatments for her, and one week she was off the ventilator. And that story's in the Texan. The Texas Standard interviewed Andrea Malcolm from Frio Regional Hospital, who after 40 patients successfully treated with nebulized budesonide in their, in their hospital, um, she said, it's enough for me to know at this point that I'm not putting tubes down people's throats to put them on a ventilator and they may never get them out. Yeah, that's one point I want to make about the ventilators. Early on, that was one of the big pushes is that we don't have sufficient number of ventilators in our country. We had this mad push, companies dropping whatever it was they did manufacture, creating more ventilators and then having Americans figure out because of the weakened condition of people's lungs that the ventilators actually ended up intended to help no bad motive intended to help, but because their lungs were so weakened and then they put on a ventilator, they actually, the ventilators were too strong pushing air out and ended up being the cause of the person's death. Is that accurate? Number one, they said late care only, basically. They said if you got mild to moderate symptoms, even if you look at state health websites, they were saying if you got mild to moderate symptoms, 
take over-the-counter medicines, tough it out at home. If you get severe symptoms, and some of the things that were listed were if you can't think clearly, if your lips turn blue, if you're short of breath, then that's when you call 911. That's when you try to get in the car and go to the hospital. And so that's when you, those are signs of hypoxia, low oxygen. That's a bad idea to wait till you're deathly sick. When did we ever say wait for late symptoms before you seek help for cancer, heart disease, stroke? or any other infectious disease. This was insanity. And it's been proven to be a nightmare for many families in the United States. But I'm telling you, uh, we have something that's been proven to help with early care, but it's also, there's cases where it has helped with late care. Yep, yeah, I know, we've talked about those in the show. You know, I always, when, when you get here, I, I, I have to say, I always think about in your shoes, I would wanna run that clip you know, about every day and say, remember what you said? How come you're not seeing you know, something else now? But I do want to turn to two other things in talking, and I'm so glad you were available to be in the studio today. One is this whole question of, so now here we are, we're in 2021. Uh, we have a vaccine or series of vaccines ready, a lot of, and, and being used, and a lot of people are pushing the vaccines. Um, so I want to talk about the vaccine, the vaccine passport idea, but I want to start with talking about the question of whether or not in America we should learn lessons from how we handled this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus crisis, starting with, was it problematic? Was it off base for us to decide that we're gonna have Dr. Fauci or any one individual who happens to sit in the seat that he's in in Washington have seeming um, singular control over the way Americans doctors treated coronavirus did Fauci have too much power to poo-poo to to, um, to in some way uh, denigrate the doctor's ability to use what they learned their, their uh, knowledge and what they learned through medical school and their practice their, their whatever they would prescribe do we need to change that system somehow so one person like Fauci is not in charge of how the whole medical community feels forced to handle something you know this is really a picture of how it works in centralized governments like communist China a communist government has centralized control and they know what's better for your health care than your personal physician that has been your family physician for, that knows your grandma, your dad, your mom, your children, and, and has taken care of you and, and known them uh, and gone through all the adventures of your appendicitis and your blood pressure control and what medicines worked and didn't work. When someone who's a total stranger, who's never met you, who's probably doesn't even live in your state, is saying, I know more about your health care than your personal physician. That's a problem, and that's un-American. Our health care system was the best in the world to January 1, 2020, when it got hijacked. And, and we went with a foreign strategy for health care, which I would say is a failed strategy. By their numbers, it's a failed yeah. strategy. And before that, we had the best health care system in the world based on early treatment of every disease. And, and so when they started uh, when when Anthony Fauci said, you know, we're going to you're just going to have to hide, uh, basically, uh, and wait until you, if you get severe symptoms, then we'll help you at the hospital. But don't overwhelm the hospitals. I'd say uh, that's where everything went off the rails. And uh, we need to go with with tried and true common sense, proven medical care in the America in America. Yeah. You know, on that point of, of Dr. Fauci, I mean, a lot of people who want to defend everything he says, say, well, you know, what what bad motive could he have? And the thing is, you don't have to, in my view, you don't have to agree he has a bad motive. He's just not the one treating me or any other patient in America. He's a, he's a researcher guy, he's an expert, I guess. But I mean, we used to in the past assume when you had a problem, you would go to your doctor, you might get a second opinion or a third opinion. 
but then you chose your path based on the medications <laughs> provided. Somehow that got totally derailed. Doctors are the reason we have sec the phrase second opinions. Yeah. Doctors are very opinionated people, and, and there's a benefit to getting a second opinion. Uh, one man doesn't know everything about everyone or even about one person. And so we have specialists, but when one doctor assumes that his opinion is the only opinion, and there shall no longer be second opinions in America in healthcare, especially with a pandemic, which, by the way, he's the one that said masks don't really give you the protection you think it does. And then he said, we'll wear it as a symbol that we're in this together. And then he says social distancing six feet apart. And then you see a picture of him in the baseball stands with people shoulder to shoulder with him. That's and not no six mask. feet apart and no yeah. mask. And then you see someone else getting tased, a mom in the, in the football stands, getting tased for watching her kid play football. And then you see him say, wear a mask. And then you hear him say, two masks. Um, yeah. I got to say, I don't need to listen to him anymore. Um, I'm not going to listen to someone who's, if he, if he said five different answers that are conflicting, one of them might be true, but they can't <laughs> all be true. Yeah, it, it's like this whole episode in America changed the American psyche a little bit. I mean, we just, I, I guess people got panicked early on and I everyone think, was concerned early on. Go ahead. I yeah. think people have to feel a little insecure. I mean, they're to told to jump this way, then jump that way. Put your left foot in, put your left foot out. Uh, Simon says this, Simon yep. doesn't say that. It, if, it, it makes you feel a little off balance if you're trying to comply because it keeps changing the 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 direction that he's giving has changed over and over again. And at that first interview, Debbie, I said, trying to make a vaccine, a one-time one-shot vaccine for coronavirus is a, is a bad idea, a failed strategy from the start. Because at that time, in that first interview, I said, Iceland broke down the genome of COVID-19 yeah. and there were over 240 mutations in April last year. They're not gonna be able to do a one-time one-shot. Guess what? Now we got two shots and then the Pfizer uh, CEO is saying that we'll probably need a third shot. Oh, There's no end to this is what, what it looks like they want. Uh, no end to this is exactly right. And I want one more thing before we get into the vaccine thing. I want and lessons learned for the American people. If you are the president and you don't have medical training, you're, that's just not your background, you know, you think, well, okay, we have a crisis, so let's turn and talk to who is this person who's supposed to be Dr. Fauci, is the, you know, the America, America's doctor, supposedly. But we got into a place where his opinions, based on not ever having treated one single patient for coronavirus, COVID-19, never did. So it's all research opinion. And early research came from, came from England, which turned out to be grotesquely inaccurate. But we kind of changed our psyche and said, well, okay, I guess now when serious health claims come along, we wait for some guy in Washington we've never heard of to tell us what to do. And it became, even though doctors weren't, um, you know, it wasn't outlawed, I guess, in most cases to prescribe other things, but it was a tone set. Washington tells doctors what to do. So my question to you is, shouldn't we be better off or wouldn't we be better off even in a crisis, a real, a real scary pandemic to have you know, one, two, not just one doctor in Washington, two or three alternate opinions presented to the American people as they went along. There were many doctors trying to say, we don't need to go this whole wait till the ventilator routine. We have other choices, but we need to have those voices out of Washington right away. Do you agree or is that? You know, you have Peter McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough from yeah. Baylor, Dallas. You have Harvey Risch from Yale, myself, uh, an emergency room doctor who's an advanced trauma life support 
uh, instructor for doctors. Other doctors, many doctors have been voicing the truth and the facts, but those voices have been suppressed and censored. You know, I was, we did that interview, 5.1 million views in two weeks when it was uh, taken off of Facebook yes. because it was dangerous information, which was later proven to be overwhelmingly true, by right. the way. And they didn't apologize to you, I don't believe. No. <laughs> uh, you know, I was being interviewed by uh, uh, RFK Jr. And uh, yeah. my Instagram uh, audio was cut during the interview. I have been suppressed, censored, and other voices, it's basically, we used to have second opinions in medical care, but now we have Fauci's opinion and there is no other that's allowed in the mainstream media. And especially as Fauci's opinion has turned out now to be so obviously, you know, even if you don't want to ascribe any nefarious motive, it has been narrow, it has been unhelpful because the- um, Look at the results. Look at the results, the number of deaths and the number of people who thought, well, gosh, my doctor recommended budesonide, my doctor recommended hydroxychloroquine, but now Fauci's saying no, so I guess I'll just sit home and get sicker and, and wait. It, it was the most crazy thing. And I want America to learn lessons don't trust one doctor in Washington, uh, get second opinions. The government itself should not be in the business of mandating, and they weren't mandating, they were just viewed as a voice of authority. The media played a huge role, as we just saw in the clip a moment ago, the media played a huge role in everything Fauci said being repeated over and over and over, and no other voices uh, were, were allowed, no other voices were invited to the national um, conversation. So that was a huge, huge, um, it's unimpressive in a country with the stellar medical system America has. You know, uh, when Boris Yeltsin needed heart surgery, he didn't go across the border to his neighbor, China, to get heart surgery. He came to the United States because we were the best in the world. But I, I, I've, I'm getting information from India where they're, in some levels, they're surpassing us, leaving us in the dust as far as allowing their citizens. That's the second most populous country in the world, 1.2 billion. And they're making inhaled budesonide, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin uh, available. And they're, and, uh, they're not suppressing that to their people. Uh, what happened? Yeah. What happened? The American healthcare system got hijacked. I was, uh, Matt, do you have that uh, clip of uh, when I was with Perry? You know, for seven years, I was a health expert, for, uh, a health advisor for Governor Perry. He asked me to be on the, a newly formed health disparities task force to make sure all Texans had access to quality health care and that no people group were left behind. No race, not, uh, not inner city, not rural areas, not uh, socioeconomic uh, people left behind on any level. He took my advice for seven years, but I never heard of Fauci until January 1, 2020. And all, yes, all and of I was an advisor. Of all. Okay, you know, we're, I see how this time races, it races by every time you're here. I wanna turn very quickly and talk about, there are people now talking about the various vaccines that are being offered and, and shortcomings and questions and all that. I just wanna hit on one thing. We talk about another way in which this whole pandemic has tortured American culture. I have a quick clip of a woman who's, I think she's a lawyer, but she's in Los Angeles, Lee Dundas, and she's giving a speech essentially saying what happened in Orange County, California, when they went ahead and, uh, well, let me just have Matt roll the tape and tell you what's happening in Orange County in terms of the government deciding what people must do. If you don't know what happened in Orange County, about 10 days ago, the Orange County Health Officer, a little guy by the name of Dr. Clayton Chow, got together with the superintendent of schools in our county, and they hatched a little plan. And they decided in their wisdom 
that they were going to take our taxpayer-funded schools and turn them in to COVID vaccination centers so they could deploy an experimental medical protocol that killed every ferret in the last animal trial that was done. Worse, worse, they decided they were going to see if they could find a way to legally sidestep parental informed consent so that little Johnny could get bribed with a donut after recess at kindergarten and go walking back to the nurse's office and roll his sleeve up and get this experimental protocol Matt, without his parents ever there. being the wiser. I got to cut it off there. She goes on, by the way, that woman went on, she testified before the school district, um, I think it were the county government, just basically saying they were going to do this give vaccines to kids in public schools with no parental knowledge or consent and as you hear a vaccine that killed every single ferret a little you know animal ferret uh in trials so very quickly how is this possible in america insane because first of all it's an ex it's an emergency use authorization for these experimental vaccines they are not fda approved none of them are fda approved meaning they haven't gone through all the safety and efficacy evidences yet. And so they're experimental by definition. Secondly, we used to say you had to be an adult with informed consent before you received a vaccination or a treatment or the guardian. And where are the guardians? When they're cutting the guardians out, the legal guardians in this decision, and they're giving someone an experimental medicine, that's insanity. That is Nuremberg trial level experimentation yes. on humans. That's human experimentation. By definition, <clears throat> we're talking about experimental vaccines. Maybe they'll be good. Maybe they'll be bad. I can tell you, Debbie, you didn't know this, but two weeks ago when I was working in the emergency room, I treated one valid COVID case, but I treated two that had received the COVID shots and were having emergencies that came into the oh. emergency room for me to stabilize. And so I'm telling you, I'm starting to see more of the problems that are being formed by the COVID shots than the COVID in the ER. You know, I'm up against the time I committed to let you leave and I know I, I'm, I, I can't chain you down. So I'm gonna ask one last question and we'll let you go. So I assume that you do not think that vaccine passports, a government program or even a private program that says you are limited in your freedom uh, to fly, to travel, to, to get into public buildings unless you can show a vaccine passport. I assume that is not you know what? You would There's no vaccine passport for all the uh, abandoned children that are at the migrant camp in Midland, Texas, where they asked me to be the doctor of. And so I went behind the lines there and I saw what was really going on there. And I can tell you, wow. it's not what the public is seeing. And 10% of the kids there were having symptoms of COVID and tested positive. So if we're concerned about a pandemic and controlling a pandemic and wanting our, our American taxpaying citizens that are keeping abiding by the law to have a passport or they can't get on a plane and travel across the state lines, we're letting uh, hundreds of kids come across uh, uh, hundreds of people come across the border who we know have uh, a is this it's almost like a weapon of mass destruction uh, it, it is a killer it is highly contagious and this is we're turning the government's turning a blind eye to that uh, it, it is breathtaking uh, dr bartlett as always it is so fun to have you i am past the time we committed we wrap it up but i thank you so very much for coming in today every time you come it's a great thing thank you so much thank you debbie
Hey, my very fine friends, I got to tell you that there are more and more topics we could get to, but I, he's got another interview um, somewhere else. I have to let him go, apparently. Uh, but I want to hit one more quick story today um, as we wrap up. Um, and that is a story about Biden and, and the California government colluding with Facebook and Twitter. And I, I just I can't tell you how important I think this story is. And I'm even going to be able to tie it back into what we were talking about a moment ago. But. Judicial Watch, a fabulous organization uh, run by Tom Fitton. Love that guy. I see him a few times a year at a, an organization I belong to. So he's just, I mean, he is just the most determined, going to get the bottom of this, serious thinker guy. So Judicial Watch got documents uh, under a uh, subpoena that they, not a subpoena, they uh, made. It's like a FOIA request, um, but they were actually under the California law. It's a CPRA request, a California Public Records Act. They're trying to get at the question, Judicial Watch is trying to get at the question of why, what it was that happened that caused Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all the left-wing media sources to take down so much information. So many uh, videos and little short speeches and postings made by Judicial Watch um, in the most, most recent election cycle. And what they finally received after having to you know, file a lawsuit to get it, what they finally received, it is mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Let me just summarize for you. The California government, along with the Biden administration, were working together with Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all the social media sites to suppress facts and information that Judicial Watch put out that was inconsistent with the Democrat message. I'll give you some examples, but I, I want you just to think about that concept. It's bad enough, you think, well, the social media, they have so much power, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, you know, they, they kind of control everything. Uh, you know, you can barely even function uh, in, in American culture, in communication, if you can't use those uh, sources of social media, but yet they, they monitor and control and try to crush conservative messages. So here's what he learned. So the uh, in, in California, the um, <clears throat> California, the Secretary of State's office, the emails that he got a hold of, Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch got a hold of show that state officials, state officials pressure social media companies, Twitter, Facebook, Google, YouTube, to censor postings about the 2020 election. And what they did was statements put out, information put out by Judicial Watch, by Tom Fitton, were reviewed by state officials, and they were put into a document called misinformation briefings, misinformation. One of the entities that provided the information that told the government in California whether or not the postings by Judicial Watch were misinformation was a group, a communications firm called SKDK. SKDK. That firm is advising the California government, yeah, you know, this posting isn't, it shouldn't be permitted. That firm lists as their top client of 2020 the Joe Biden presidential campaign. So Joe Biden hires the presidential campaign, hires SKDK. That group 
is letting the government of California know what they should consider as misinformation. So they have this request made, and the, within California, with the Secretary of State's office, it's the Office of Election Cybersecurity Database, and they hold on to information. So they, this Office of Election Cybersecurity in the California Secretary of State, monitors and tracks social media postings deciding if they have misinformation. And then they store the post in an internal database coded by threat level. And they then contact the social media companies and say, hey, you know, we see this as a threat. We see these things as a threat. And so of course, the left-wing organizations, Facebook, YouTube, all those people and, or entities immediately go, okay, okay, sorry, sorry, happy to take it down. I mean, they take it down, you know, uh, instantaneously because they're happy to collude with the Biden team and the left-wing government of California. So just one example. Um, Judicial Watch head Tom Fitton had a video in which he said, Democrats benefit from incorrect voter rolls and inappropriate ballot collection. Okay, that's like saying the sun is hot. That's not even a mark. And first of all, it's opinion. And opinion used to be protected. Opinion was protected speech. And so Fitton is saying essentially what everyone, you know, with their head on straight understands, which is that when you are, that the um, Democrats benefit from incorrect voter rolls and ballot collection. So the Secretary of State's office uh, flags this. This is terrible. Uh, communication with YouTube. We flag this. It misleads community members about elections and other civic processes and misrepresents the safety and security of mail-in ballots. Another example, in September um, of 2020, um, this, um, um, information tracking sheet is talking about uh, something Trump said about the massive unsolicited mail-in ballots and not the same thing as a requested you know uh, voter ballot when you request a ballot it sent an absentee ballot and they send it to you the massive sending out of mail-in ballots trump says yeah this doesn't really seem like a good idea um that was taken down as inconsistent information misinformation not permitted i could go through tons of other examples but i want to just say at the end of this little piece that this is what this is i thought the most astonishing piece of information maybe not the most among the most astonishing pieces of information so in September of 2019, in this you know, cache of documents that Fitton and Judicial Watch get from the state of California, acknowledging how they are notifying Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all the big social media of things they consider misinformation, themselves having gotten that designation from a private communications firm whose number one client was Joe Biden. But there's also, from September 2019, the California Secretary of State's office confirmed in an email it was sending its staff to participate in Facebook's misinformation training. So left-wing Facebook creates misinformation training, basically anything they don't like because it makes uh, conservatives look good. They put together training on what they call misinformation and the Secretary of State's office sends staff people over to listen to the training so they can come back and tell the government how to better censor the people. I mean, it is the most. Collusion does not even begin to describe the kind of thing. But I want to just tell you one other um, aspect of this story I think is very, very important to understand. So in Florida, um, there was a piece of legislation that um, was now passed, has now passed the Florida State Senate. 
And the gist of it is, in Florida, Governor DeSantis, you know, best conservative governor around, he's basically saying he's going to try to crack down on the social media bias, going to try to crack down. So he, Governor DeSantis, has pushed legislation essentially saying that they're going to impose fines, large fines, monetary fines, on the social media companies, basically, if they commit bias. In particular, uh, that, that if they remove users from their platform without justification, uh, if they limit communications by candidates. And they're trying to say, can we please just have social media stop hassling conservatives, stop you know taking users down, stop hassling candidates. So this bill has passed the Florida State Senate. So now it's going to go over to the Florida State House. They have to debate this bill. And I want to mention this in the context of what you just heard about California and how the Joe Biden campaign all in the middle of California and their Secretary of State's office colluding with YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter and essentially shutting down all sorts of information uh, that conservatives might want to hear, might want to hear from an extremely respectable organization, Judicial Watch. I mean, they are so immensely cautious and by the book that they're not, they're, they're not even anything like some you know, right-wing extremist thing. They are, like, they are just serious, gung-ho, uh, responsible, honest researchers. And they're conservatives, and they want to tell the people the truth. So back to Florida. So now it's going over to the House. And I want to share a, a statement that was made uh, by the uh, sponsor of the bill, uh, whose name uh, is a Republican who sponsored the bill, Ray Rodriguez, Republican from Estero in Florida State Senate, uh, State um, House, no, State Senate. He says, big tech is not a free market. He's saying basically, you know, big tech is, is not following what you hope is a free market standard or thinking. Uh, and, and he said, therefore, the state must have a role in regulating such companies. But then there comes along a senator who opposed this legislation. So a Republican senator in the state of Florida said, you know, I don't think we should pass this bill threatening to punish the, the uh, social media companies just because, you know, and tell them whether they can take things down or not, or which users they can remove, or they have to have. And one thing the bill says is you have to have clear standards and you have to put the standards out there. What is the community standard that you are applying? And are you equally applying it to everyone? Spell it out, which is, you know, what one way that the censors work in social media. They say your uh, posting or your show um, violated community standards. And that's it. And so if you write back, as I did, and said, what community standard? In fact, when Dr. Bartlett was with on the show and his was taken down, I responded. I said, you know, there are actually studies. You took down the interview, but there are studies. This is a doctor. He has proven this. Uh, what, he's, what he is talking about is workable. And they never answer. You get an auto reply within a nanosecond, nanosecond of sending your email to say, hey, I don't understand what community standard I violated. Instant reply, appeal denied, goodbye. And so back to this Florida thing, I'm getting at, I want you to think about this mindset and what's wrong with it. So a Republican senator in the state of Florida, um, whose name is Senator Jeff Brandes, B-R-A-N-D-E-S. He said, this is a big government bill. This is a bill you'd see in countries we don't want to talk about. Some that are 90 miles south of here, he's talking about Cuba, uh, and some that are a little farther south, further south, alluding to in part to Cuba. It makes me uncomfortable to have this conversation. So this 
Republican in Florida is saying he can't support a bill to force the social media companies to do something honest because it might be too big government-ish. And I just want to say this about that because you'll hear this argument. Be ready to respond to this argument. Here it is in short. We have antitrust legislation. We have we prevent monopolies in our country that otherwise has free markets because when you have a monopoly, there is no free market. The free market, all of the beauty of the free market does not function when there is a monopoly. So that's why we have federal laws that have upheld and withstood constitutional scrutiny because you can't just let one company take over, be the only company permitted to make shoes, coffee cups, pens, or anything else because it's not a free market anymore. And that's the point of the federal antitrust laws. The same thing applies here. This legislation is not interfering with the free market. This legislation that would fine in a significant way social media companies is not this legislation is not attacking the free market it's creating the free market it is enabling the free market it is restoring a free market when you have a 90 percent complete or more complete control between facebook youtube youtube and twitter over every political conversation in this country online you are a monopoly florida doesn't have to call it that Florida doesn't have to invoke the federal antitrust laws. Florida can say, in our state, we're not letting you do this. So this, I'm sorry, this Republican probably thinks he's standing on his you know, intellect or standing up to prove what a great guy he is because he can support free markets. What he is doing, what, the, what this legislation is doing, is restoring free markets by attacking a monopolistic control over the most important thing imaginable, which is the free conversation, the free speech of the American people. This guy in Florida and others embracing that idiotic argument need to understand we're at the precipice where we have, where you have Pravda in Russia controlling everything that people knew, and you have Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter in America colluding with the government, as you saw, as we just talked about in Canada, in California, colluding with the government, limiting what you can hear and see, and that is a monopoly problem. God bless this guy in Florida and Governor DeSantis, who will clearly sign the bill if it passes. But do not get sucked in by people saying, well, we can't really regulate social media because we believe in free markets. Regulating social media is restoring free markets, period. At the end of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today uh, in the very beginning. We started talking about the Newsom recall and the census hits blue states. California Governor Gavin Newsom is now set for recall vote, second time in California history. Over 1.5 million Californians signed the recall petition. This is not driven by angry Republicans, contrary to what Newsom thinks. It's about angry Californians. 2020 census confirms trend of U.S. migration away from blue states into red states. Texas and Florida plus three all by themselves. New York, California, Illinois, and others down three. Bigger picture, Americans do not want and are not embracing the leftist agenda. Defunding police, opening borders, expanding homelessness, raising taxes, making life too expensive to live, introducing socialism, introducing communism. America saying no. Americans want their civilization preserved. They are not buying the lies of the left. And on Biden and the California government colluding with big tech, Judicial Watch FOIA litigation reveals the Biden administration and the California government working with Facebook and YouTube to censor conservative content, define misinformation, to squelch anyone questioning the left-wing views. 
Florida legislature moving toward limits on big tech censorship and privacy intrusions. No corporations in U.S. history have had more concentrated power than big tech. Not Standard Oil, not AT&T, not IBM. Big tech power is in censorship and internet search. It is totalitarian thought control. Preserving freedom in America will require a major adjustment to the monopoly-level power of big tech. Government must act to preserve freedom, not collude in the imposition of thought control. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?